don't get up again i'm not gonna get up again i'm adjusting so that i can comfortably speak into the microphone i guess i don't really need this huh you don't use yours i don't use mine i'm not sure what it does it filters the and the and the and the (laughs) are you beatboxing (laughs) What sound are you making? You horrify me every day. Okay. Oh my. Are we going to record? Yeah, we actually have been for quite some time. (laughs) Oh! That's excellent. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? <laughs> well, now I'm really embarrassed. Good, as you should be. <laughs> so we just had dinner that we cooked ourselves. Yes, mostly me. Well, yeah, I was <laughs> doing you, something. It, you use the microwave to melt the butter. Uh, yeah. And I mix the breadcrumbs. <laughs> and eat to evenly coat. Yeah. Oh, wait, what did it say? What was the word it used? I thought it said evenly coat. No. And mound. I mound. mounded. <laughs> I mounded the breadcrumbs on the chicken. <laughs> and I paid for it, so, you know. We got a Hello Fresh meal from Target. Which is way more expensive oh if gosh. you buy it at Target. It was $20. Yeah. For a meal for two people. But if you get it from Hello Fresh, it's like. Four ninety nine a serving or something like that, so it would have been like nine bucks. Do you think it was nine ninety nine? I mean, ten dollars. I don't know. Where's your receipt? I don't know. Do you do that? Do you do receipts? I guess at Target they probably don't give you an option. You just get the receipt. Oh, is it from Target? Yeah. This is a hard. What's the verdict? Oh, this is your receipt. No, it's not. Mm. Little Women. Mod bore up. Boom, boom. Oh, that's wine. Beauty chaos? What? Hello Fresh. $17.99. So still way more expensive than if you get it, you know, from Hello Fresh. It was good. It was yeah, it's good. It didn't take any time. No, we we used to do that HelloFresh when um, Levi was little and wasn't eating like real food yet. Mm-hmm. We used to get HelloFresh meals because it was just easier mm-hmm. for the two of us. But then it got expensive. But it's really not that expensive if you don't buy other groceries. But Levi won't eat that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway. It's a little pricey. I mean... It's like also the price of convenience, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to go to the store. It's already all prepared, like all in yep. there for you. So that's true. Paying for convenience is that's a thing. I've thought about trying the um, I think it's called like so yummy or something. I don't know. But oh, like, I just I actually tried that one. I had a free trial. Yeah. Every plate. Maybe. I think I've their catchphrase is so yummy or something. Maybe. Like that. I've seen it like pop up where it's like, it's like only three dollars. Yeah, it's every place to the. It's good. The other ones. The problem is, is that can you get it for one? No, but if I get it for two. Oh, then you have leftovers. Yeah, so I can get like a, just two or three of them a week. 
I'm really sorry that I um, just reminded you that you're alone. It's fine. I'm reminded every day. <laughs> I wake up to two cats. <laughs> and sometimes one of them slaps me in the face. <laughs> so, like, I know that I'm alone. <laughs> totally fine. I'm okay. So my cousin, shout out Aaron, is sending me um, pictures of different wines that you need to try. Mm-hmm. So he also says that this is your cousin that every time we hung out with him just wanted to do Jaeger bombs. Yeah. So and I don't know if I trust his judgment. What does he know? I don't know. He says that wine is supposed to get better with age. So the seven year wine that you had should have been better. What seven year wine? I think it's that chocolate wine that was disgusting. That tasted mm-hmm. like motor oil. No, I don't think that's universal. That wine was gross. Well, I'm just telling you what he says, and apparently he's the authority on all wine. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. Aaron, you don't know shit. <laughs> Not all wine gets better with age. I read an article one time about a guy who bought, like, the oldest bottle of wine ever. Yeah. Ever? That's what it said. <laughs> That's what the article said. But he bought this like really like hundred year old bottle of wine. He got it at an auction and he was going to drink it at like an anniversary and the waiter like tripped and spilled it <gasps> and like broke it, like broke the bottle. And oh my so gosh. They managed to get like a little bit of it. Like uh, there were some, I guess, because of the way the bottle spilled or whatever. There's a little bit and he tried some and he said it wasn't that good. Oh. <laughs> Man, all that build up for nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of wine, um, besides... Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Just adjust the shaft. <laughs> Stop it. Um, so speaking of wine, yes. besides the um, Prosecco cotton candy that you are still eating... It's pretty good. What's the wine? Well, do you think that it's better because you're a bottle of wine in already? Could be. <laughs> I'm not a whole bottle in. I only drank half a bottle. And then half of that bottle. I haven't drank half this bottle yet. I'm about to start it. You know what? What? Get off my nuts. I live on your nuts. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I. What are you doing? Are you recording me? Yeah. That makes me uncomfortable. Okay. So I have an apothic rosé, which I think you're... Um, I'm so uncomfortable. Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah, recommended apothic. apothic. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that they made like rosé and stuff. So this one says, peer into the secret garden beyond Ooh. the veiled gate. What secret garden? Among pale petals. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is very sexual. <laughs> it's just my voice. Lies a refreshing blend. This rosé blend layer. This rosé blends. Layers of strawberry and watermelon with a hint of raspberry <laughs> for a refreshing wine that is light in color yet dark in nature. Okay. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, it try it. Live try. Live tasting. Stop. Verdict. It's fruity. <laughs> is it good with the cotton candy? It is good with the cotton candy. Pairs well? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Sometimes rosés are really dry, but this one's not. Um, uh, it also is not chilled, so I think it would probably be better if it was chilled, which I think rosé is traditionally chilled. Well, 
thank you. It's pretty. Thank you, Becca, for that uh, Mm -hmm. recommendation. Now we have like 1,200 pictures from Erin of different kinds that you have to try. So great. But also, she just bought five bottles of wine at Target. So they were having a sale. They were, but it was 10% off plus 5% off with your red card, which you get anyway. Regardless. But yeah. Um, so it is oh. them. Oh, go. I was going to talk to you about something. Okay. Hold on. I got to go get it. You talk about, I don't know what your life is. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm, is it going to be a good segue? No. I don't Oh, um, she's running into the bathroom. So now I'm a little bit nervous about what it is that was in the bathroom. Don't make it weird. Well, why? Okay, you have something. What is this? Okay, my sister gave me this for Christmas. Okay. It is called the Original Makeup Eraser. Oh, my gosh. It is just this. It's a towel. It's like a microfiber. It's just a really soft towel. Okay. All you do is get it wet, and it takes off your makeup. I don't know if you can see. Wait, wait. What? This is life changing. (laughs) You don't use any makeup remover or anything. You just put warm water on it. Shannon. And you can wash it. My sister said she just uses like different areas of it and then washes it like once a week. Okay. I need April. (laughs) I need this. Where did you get it? I don't know where she got it. And it came in this with a cute little fanny pack. I really want one of these. Shannon, I really want one of these. You can see it's got mascara all over because I tried it. I want it it for Mother's Day. Because you have to get me a gift for Mother's Day. You're not my mama. Well, it's debatable. Kind of. A little bit. I feed you. I do. That's not all a mother is. Well, that's true. Anyway. Anyway, so makeup eraser. The original makeup er eraser. We'll, We'll put a picture. Well, maybe you should wash it first, but or maybe not to show that the product works. It's freaking it was really it's cool. really cute, too. It's like yellow with pink pineapples. I'm pretty sure there's different, but it's cute. Flavors. It's super soft. Mm-hmm. I like the backside is supposed to exfoliate. I don't really know if it did or not, but it took my makeup off. That's for sure. They feel the same to me, but this is yeah. awesome. I really want one of these because almost all like makeup removers are too harsh for me and mm-hmm. I end up getting a rash um, especially around my eyes if I use like those like makeup wipe removers I cannot mm-hmm. use those like the Neutrogena ones mm-hmm. they give me like like a it kind of looks like a heat rash on my eyes huh I think I, I just have sensitive skin to that and like yeah. on my jawline I'll get it so mm-hmm. I just have to use well you do you have a a little bit of rosacea on yeah your I do skin? have rosacea so um I just have to Doesn't be careful that make with my your skin more sensitive. Maybe my mom has rosacea, so it's kind of like an inherited, more inherited crap that I got. Thanks, mom. Only the best from your parents. Always. So um, anyway, mm-hmm. it is still February, though sure. I have no idea when this episode will actually come out. But um, it is still February and February is a particularly special month for our family because it is congenital heart disease awareness month yes we get an entire month so but you share it with black history month (laughs) i think it's kind of ridiculous that there's a black history month in the first place because shouldn't black history be celebrated like all year round yeah but it's not 
So, but it should be. So right. anyway, the fact that you have to like that there has to be a month about mm-hmm. it is kind of. But there does. T- it's kind of telling but about. But there does. But there is. But there is. But there needs to be. I don't know what my words are trying to say. What we're trying <laughs> yeah, to say otherwise is. Otherwise they just get looked over. Well, it's ridiculous. It should be. You know. <laughs> I thought you were going a very different direction with that statement. And I was like. Charlotte. Oh my God. Who, who do you think I am? I don't know. I was so confused. I was like. I'm going to have to edit this out. No. I'm but, saying okay. that yes. there it should be celebrated all year round. There shouldn't be just one month that we talk about it. Right. They should. It should be, be recognized with everything always. else. Yeah, just like in any be. other accomplishment with white people or brown people, like just should always be a All thing. All the people. All the yeah. people. But I digress. So, um, it's sad. So I was I would like to actually this is an interesting fact. The first man who or, or woman, first person to ever operate on a baby with they called them blue babies which mm-hmm. was like back in the 40s was a black man there you go so there's my black history nod month to black and, history month and which still irritates me but whatever yeah but anyway i th- you know the first you know cowboys are historically like white men but the first man the first bulldogger was a black man i didn't know that mm-hmm. he invented the sport wow I don't know what bulldogging is, but where you jump off the horse and grab the steer around the horse. Oh, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was called steer wrestling. No, I think or bull wrestling. I think steer wrestling is when you tie it up. You know, I'm not really. On it, I'm not really versed in the area of rodeo, though I should be because I went to AM. I want to say in steer wrestling, you rope it. And your horse holds it still while you jump off your horse and, and flip it and tie it. I thought those were calves. Yes. Calf. I don't know. It's been a long time since I was in the in rodeo world. world. Yeah. But there's some movie about Lane Frost. Who's who that? A bull rider. Okay. And they talk about Pickens. I don't know. I don't remember his name, but he was the first. Let me look it up. I'll tell Listen, you who the first bulldogger was. This is getting off topic. I know, but it's important to me now. Oh, brother. Man who invented Christmas. <laughs> Bulldogging. <laughs> Bill Pickett. Look at you. See, he invented the technique, the skill of grabbing cattle by the horns and wrestling to them the ground. Wrestling to them and in- wrestling yeah. them to the ground. Bill Pickett. He's a black man. And of course, now only white men do that sport. So, or primarily. Yeah. That's how it goes. Well, besides okay, yes. other Tell things that are recognized in Ooh. the month of February, um, an important one to us is Heart Month. Mm. And uh, I know that we've talked a little bit about, just a tiny bit about that Levi had some medical issues when he was born, but we haven't yeah. really talked much about no. what specifically that is. Um, <clears throat> so it's I'm the sh- same thing that uh, Sean Jimmy, White, Jimmy Fallon's Jimmy Fallon's son, son and Sean White. 
Yeah, but nobody talks about Sean White having that. No, but it's but people should talk about it. Yeah, but Jimmy hold on. Fall- I feel like Jimmy Fallon, like uh, he's definitely like he's it. definitely jumped into the awareness movement, which is so great. But mm-hmm. let me let me just first for those of you who don't know what yeah. congenital heart disease or Tell heart us what defect is, which I really I had heard of the term, but I didn't really know what it was until my kid was diagnosed with it. But um, congenital heart disease or congenital heart defect, CHD is the most do you say defect instead of defect i don't know defect i'm sorry continue (laughs) (laughs) now that you're self-conscious about your pronunciation i'm not because i don't care um anyway (laughs) um so it's a malformation in the heart muscle which is present at birth so this is different than heart disease that you develop later on as an adult um, generally due to bad genes and um, not usually the best life choices as far as like um, diet and exercise go. So this is different because they are born with it. And it's generally, it happens within the six, first six weeks of after conception, which is crazy to think that before... most people don't even know yeah, they're before pregnant. before you even know you're pregnant, like it's already happening um, or it's already happened. So um, anyway, um, two million Americans are estimated to be living with congenital heart disease right now, which is insane. Um, and f- every year, 40,000 babies will be born with a CHD just in the U.S. And it is the most, um, it, it is the m- most, what, popular is not the right word. Most frequently occurring, um, like, defect or issue um, with any baby, hmm. which but you don't hear about you don't it. hear about it as much. Isn't that crazy? I mean, so like each year, it's like over a million babies are born with a CHD in the world, which is insane. Um, so that it's about one in one hundred and ten babies are born with it which is really really like it's a lot more whoa i think your cat just burped anyway <laughs> it's a really really common def- common problem that you just don't hear a lot about um so one of the saddest things that i mean any kind of disease or defect that is you know in childhood is really sad but um so this is not to knock on any of those but um whoa hey sorry benedict is in my face he's just going on an adventure well he's a good boy um so it's like super common super deadly and it's the number one cause of births uh, sorry number one cause of death in infants i mean which is really yeah. sad to hear and um, because if you don't catch it early i mean yeah i mean it's just it's sad but but what i was going to say is that more children die from 
CHD than twice it wait twice the amount of children die from CHD than all childhood forms of cancer combined. Oh wow. It's like but we hear a lot about children's cancer. Um like St. Jude's and mm-hmm. you know um other types of I can't think of any other right now but St. Jude's primarily. Yeah. Um or what's the balloons? Is that St. Jude's? That's Children's Miracle Network. I think. I don't know. But anyway, I mean, you hear a lot more about it. But what's crazy is that there is something that's even more like twice as many as all forms combined. That's crazy to me. Um, And there's so many different types of congenital heart disease. So some of them don't require any intervention, but ones that are critical, which is a type that Levi has will require open heart surgery within the first year of life. And it's crazy to think that really just within the last, you know, 40 to 50 years, has there been any sort of intervention? Because, you know, in the 40s and before then, people wouldn't touch you. If they knew that there was something wrong with your heart, it was like an unknown territory. So you just, you died. Um, so it's, you know, it's super, it's, you know, it's really sad. So anyway, Levi has, um, his diagnosis is tetralogy of flow with pulmonary atresia, which is a really big mouthful and a really fancy way to say he has four different defects that make up his whole issue. And, um, we found out when I was 34 weeks pregnant which was a little bit a little later. Yeah. Uh, most people find out if they are going to find out during pregnancy, which not not everybody does. But if you're going to find out during pregnancy, they you generally find out at the 20 week anatomy scan. Isn't that like one of the first episodes of Grey's Anatomy? It, Meredith it, diagnoses tetralogy uh-huh. of Fallot yep. because the baby turns purple when it's crying uh-huh. and she hears a heart murmur. Yep. So um, we found out at 34 weeks. And I always say that looking back, it was such, it really was the best of both worlds because it was my first pregnancy. So I enjoyed my whole pregnancy a lot. Like I didn't worry about anything. And then at 34 weeks, I found out and kind of on a fluke. And then I had four weeks to prepare and figure out what the heck I was going to do and what our life was going to be like. Mm -hmm. So I had four weeks to freak out, but that was a lot better than having 20 weeks to freak out. So, um, and it was better to know ahead of time because I got to meet the surgeon. I got to meet his cardiologist and the whole team and everything that was going to happen. So I knew exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. So, um, flat fast forward to the day of his arrival. I was in labor for 31 hours and ended up, having an emergency c-section mm-hmm. i'm sure shannon remembers this well mm-hmm. she was in the room and uh so they rushed me and it was like three o'clock in the morning and because they had lost his heart rate so they went ahead and from the time that they told me that i was having i was going to need to have an emergency c-section to the time he was born was less than 15 minutes it which was is it was very quick. fast um and Shannon got some really good pictures, actually, of like 
the whole aftermath of that. Like when they came in and told me and just the look on my face, I'll post the picture. I was just like terrified. So terrified because I had no idea, you know, it was just kind of, they just came in and they were like, Hey, baby is in a little distress. So we're going to go do a C-section. And everyone was just like, Okay. Yeah. Like, and, what does that mean? And they Are just we like, panicking? But they didn't like. No, they were very calm about it. They didn't make it seem like an. Emer- I think it took me personally a while to like really realize it was an emergency C-section because they just kind of like. Well, I think they're trained to do that. Yeah. So we're just going to take you in and do a C-section. And I was like, oh, OK. We're and just they, avoiding any issues. Yeah, but, it, but was like, it was actually like it was actually very serious. And I didn't realize that totally until I was actually in the OR and the amount of people that flooded into that room because mm-hmm. they hadn't their their entire. So I was I delivered at a hospital that was connected to the children's hospital. And so they had um, obviously the OB who was delivering uh, all of all of the people that were there for me, but then they had the whole NICU team from the hospital I was delivering at. Then they had the whole NICU team from the children's hospital that he would be going to, plus um, the pediatric, or, well, the neonatal cardiologist. The surgeon was in there just in case um, something needed to be done bedside, but it was just a flood of people, and, and I didn't really realize how serious it was until that started happening and then I had a pretty traumatic experience with my c-section because it was so quick um, and I had had an epidural for so long because I'd already been in labor for 31 hours Um, it just wasn't working my epidural wasn't working but I didn't know that because I wasn't in like super long like end end stage labor yet it was just yeah and they couldn't because it was an emergency. They didn't put her under general anesthesia. They gave her the anesthetic through the epidural. Right. And it didn't work fully. So, right. You were only what, half? Yeah. So my right side was numb, but I could I could feel everything on the left side of my body. So imagine, if you will, <laughs> that your baby has a known heart problem. And at this point, we don't know how serious it is. We just know what they could tell from the ultrasound or they did an echo a fetal echo which you know is they just have great like, sidebar the fact that they can do a yeah fetal i was just about to say that is um, amazing yeah it's amazing that they can do that but it's still only as good as what they can see because they can't manipulate the baby at all in there so only what he was being you know cooperative and showing them so yes. and anyone who knows levi knows that he's <laughs> not not cooperative. a cooperative young man and he likes to be dramatic you know <laughs> so anyway um fast forward a little bit we, we're not really sure how serious it's going to be we know it's serious we just don't know if it's gonna, if he's going to come out breathing or if they're going to need to resuscitate or we're not sure how serious it is um anyway so they eventually get him out and uh, he's not breathing, not anything. So they have to they do have to resuscitate a little bit to get him to breathe. But then I remember hearing him cry and I just. And then did you cry? I don't really remember. I was already crying because I could feel my C-section. Your guts so were being, yeah. um, but I was mostly just concerned that he wasn't OK. And mm-hmm. so I remember yelling from the bed. Is he OK? Is he OK? You know, somebody answered me and nobody was answering me. 
and I couldn't hear him. So I knew something was wrong. something was wrong. Um, and Corey was holding my hand and I, they motioned him to come over. And so um, he got up and went over there. And then about that time, Levi started breathing and then mm-hmm. crying. But he was, I mean, completely blue. So blue. And I didn't even get to see him. Um, like they wheeled him right past me and then immediately out. And I think, I think they stopped. we saw him before. They didn't stop in front of us. Somebody came to us and said, they're, they're, you know, bringing him out. If you guys stand right here, you'll be able to see him. And they just came out. Whoever was like blocking our view of him scooted out of the way and they just rolled him on by. So you literally just got to see like a drive by of him. Yes. And, and they, I cried. Well, he was already uh, like he was already on a, a ventilator. Before. They had like a CPAP it's, on yeah, him. Yeah, they had the CPAP on him and they had already, you know, started doing intervention that way. I think they were already trying to start a, a central line. Mm-hmm. Like they were really going very, you know, concerned about. I just remember him being so just so little. He was so t- I mean, he really wasn't that tiny. He was six pounds, 12 ounces. So. But he just seemed he so, so tiny and in that incubator and just mm-hmm. he wasn't a, a plump baby. He was not. He's a like how long he was like kind of long, but yeah, he was long. He was 21 inches, but um, he, he was, was a lanky thing. He, yep. Still is. <laughs> um, so anyway, he went to um, Cook Children's next door and they got him stabilized and got everything set and Corey was under strict instructions from me to follow him and to go with him which he did and he went right with them and he stayed with him in the NICU until they would let me come over which was I think was about it was a couple hours later, three hours later um and and they rolled my entire bed over to the hospital um because I I mean I had just been cut open I couldn't obviously get up so I went over and met him and he was um intubated and you know all the things and uh we were in the NICU for about two weeks and then we were thinking oh well he might be doing okay we may get to go home and then the night before they were going to make the call at rounds he desatted and could not get back up above 30 oxygen can you yeah explain what desatted so desat is um when so you're what how your body is um distributing distributing its oxygen essentially so he wasn't getting enough oxygen his oxygen saturation was low in his blood in his blood so So, i don't know if you guys know like that little thing that they you put on your finger a pulse ox a pulse ox with the Mm -hmm. red laser that's Mm -hmm. what it's reading it's scanning through your blood vessels and by that it can see how much oxygen your hemoglobin is carrying and so that's what it's so when she says desat it's lower than it should be which mo- the a healthy anybody a healthy human being is sits between 96 and 100 yeah. at any given time and if you're on like supplemental oxygen you should be at 100 high. yeah i mean you should be but um and he was on oxygen he was on a, a high flow cannula on um, I think he was on like 
four liters at the time. So enough that he should not be desatting right. at all. But he could not. Um, so what what ended up happening, what we found out was that his uh, PDA, which is a um, a valve that you're born, that you have when you're um, in utero, that quickly closes after you're born around usually in like 24 to two weeks, 24 hours to two weeks later, it closes. And what we found out was that PDA was what was keeping him stable. But as it started to close, he could not regulate his oxygen saturations in his blood. So what they ended up doing was they put him on a medication that kept that open until they could go and they determined that he was going to need surgery before we could go home to put a shunt in. So they did that at 16 days old. They opened his little chest and... Man, that was um it was a scary day. It was a very scary day. Um I, you know, was still I mean, I was only 16 days postpartum. Um I was living at the hospital because I couldn't stand to leave him even for I mean, it was hard for Ashley and like I didn't even want to go and eat meals cuz I was afraid. You came When did you come and stay with me? One night and it was before he um before when we thought that he was going to be okay to go yeah. home because i know you were cleared to like walk around and stuff mm-hmm. but then then you guys got you got a ronald, we got McDonald. A ronald mcdonald house um and which explain to people what that is because i know like you drive through mcdonald's and stuff and yeah. you always see the thing for ronald mcdonald that, yeah like, it's actually change, an amazing charity so yeah. ronald mcdonald is a charity that mcdonald's the restaurant um still supports and it is a essentially a hotel really that is near children's hospitals for families to stay in when their child is in the hospital and that can be um for a lot of them are like for cancer treatments when they have to come for chemo they have to drive a long distance so they can stay nearby but still Mm -hmm. have like a home base Mm -hmm. because we were very lucky in that we had Levi's that NICU at Cook Children's you had private rooms and you could stay overnight a lot of NICUs are not like that they're still all in one big room and you can't stay and did they feed you as well did you have meals they did feed me because I was a breastfeeding mother so they did give me three meals a day they did not feed Corey though so Oh, at Ronald McDonald? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ronald McDonald. So they um, usually have one meal catered a day. but And by catered, I mean it's a group that comes in and prepares a meal for you. So like anybody can volunteer to go Mm -hmm. and prepare a meal. And so they usually have one or two meals a day. But they have a whole pantry that's like a community pantry that you can go in and get food. And, you know, there's there's always something there for you. So, yes, we did have a Ronald McDonald. Um, we would uh, switch off nights like Levi or Corey would. So one of us would stay with Levi mm-hmm. and one of us would stay. And it's hard. Like, I just want to emphasize that these were not comfortable beds in the hospital. No, you guys are. They sitting. were like, they they're not beds. They're, they're like little. It's like what's one step below a futon? Yeah, it was not great. And it imagine still recovering from a c-section and 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 eventually the reason that that i ended up staying i actually ended up staying at the 
Ronald McDonald House more than Corey did because Levi's nurses, night nurses finally said like, listen, if you fall out or if you like, we can't help you. We're not, we're baby nurses. We don't do adults. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you have to take care of yourself or you're not going to be any good for him. Yeah. And I think that was a really harsh reality that I had. Like, it was so hard because I, all I wanted, it was, I felt so helpless. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't pick him up. I couldn't hold him. I couldn't. All you could do was just physically be in his space. And I literally would just stand there for hours. I couldn't even sit really because the bed was too high up. (laughs) So I couldn't see him if I was sitting. Mm -hmm. So I would literally just stand there for hours and, and talk to him and read to him and just stand there and uh it was rough for a little while we um it was rough for a long while it was so then so he had um surgery open heart surgery at 16 days old and i remember the it was about it was a 10 hours a 10 hour surgery Mm -hmm. well it wasn't a 10 hour surgery but 10 hours from when he went back to when we saw him and they would call and update us every hour or so and um, we met some really awesome people during that time in that waiting room. Other people whose babies were having surgery and kind of have formed some lifelong bonds from that. But anyway, um, I remember whenever they told us, OK, they're taking him back to the ICU uh, and they let you kind of do that same thing as they let you stand in the hallway while they're going from the OR to the ICU to get him stabilized. They kind of do a drive by. Mm-hmm. Where you can go and stand and physically see him and like very quickly like touch his head or like try to give him a kiss. I was too short so I couldn't <laughs> kiss him. But like I guess just to put eyes on him. So mm-hmm. we did get to do that. And I remember seeing him and being like that is not my child. Like because he was just gray. Do you remember? He was like gray yeah. and um, I mean his chest was still open. I was not prepared for that. Because when when they when they operate on neonates, especially, they're very um, they usually very often they go into cardiac arrest Mm -hmm. just because they're you know, they're so new. Their body is not used to the world yet, much less being intervened like that. So they have to be able to get in quickly if needed. Also, because they swell. Yes, they're so if they keep that chest cavity open, it helps with the swelling. So anyway, it was just like completely shocking. I I don't think anything can prepare you for that. No. To see your child with their chest open, literally see his heart beating in his chest. Thank God it was beating. But to see his little tiny heart, which was the size of a walnut, beating in his chest at 16 days old. I mean, you can't prepare for that. No, I would imagine... I would imagine even like the nurses who do that, if it was their child, they still, I think they wouldn't, they, some of the nurses told us like, if this were my kid, I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Like, yeah. So, um, and you know what? So we were actually some of the very lucky ones. Um, Levi recovered very well. Got better. After his surgery, we were out of there. Um, pretty quickly, a couple of weeks after his first surgery, we were able to take him home, um, just because he thrived. He did, he did a good job. Luckily we did have 
you know, about two weeks beforehand to get him practice eating because that's usually what keeps these babies there is because they are operated on so early and then they go without eating. They don't know how to do it. But Levi was hungry, I guess. <laughs> you wouldn't know it now because he never eats anything and he's so tiny. But anyway, um, so we did finally get to go home, but we were one of the lucky ones because some of our closest friends that we met through that experience were there for five, six months, um, some longer. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, f- fast forward to September. So this happened in April and then September came and it was very evident that his he needed another surgery. He was not he was desatting every night. We were having to give him blow by oxygen at home. He wasn't tolerating his medication. It was time. So we went in for his second open heart surgery at five and a half months. And this time was a little bit better just because I knew what to expect. And um but it was also harder because I had I spent to say it was a lot harder. It was hard it was easier going into it, harder recovery. Um, because I had had five and a half months with him and I knew him outside of a hospital and I knew his personality and his cries and he knew me. And Mm -hmm. so to see him go through that and not, again, that feeling of helplessness is like, man, because you can't do anything. You can't pick them up. You can't feed them. You can't nurse them. I mean, nothing. So Levi still to this day, he's almost three. I'm embarrassed, but he still has a pacifier because that is, the only thing that brought him comfort during those times. And um, I just can't bear to take it away from him. He only has it at night and he probably doesn't really need it, but we're going to work on that. Whatever. He's really cute with it. <laughs> he is. But um, anyway, so he had a kind of a hard time recovering from that one. He was put out putting out a lot of fluid from, so they had chest tubes and, they could not control his fluid for a long time. So he had a chest tube in for um, over a week with that, which I've heard what or the nurses have heard from older patients that that is the most uncomfortable thing is the chest tube because it's in between their ribs. I can imagine that's horrible because it's not. It's a huge. It's huge. I mean, it's like how big is that? How many? In diameter. I don't know. That seems bigger than what it really was. No, it's, I mean, it's really big. Like, at at least half an inch, I would say, the tube. It's big. It's a big tube. In fact, his scar, like, his chest tube scar is a lot more prominent than his, than his his actual sternal, his zipper. Yeah. His incision. Yeah. Um, so I've heard that that is the most uncomfortable thing. I can imagine. Um, so he had that in for a long time. We had some trouble. We had a lot of trouble with bleeding, a lot of trouble with edema, which is, um, fluid, fluid retention and like just generalized. And he had really wet lungs, which is very common. All of this is very common, but it's just something that if you don't get under control quickly, it can go bad really quickly. We have, um, a good friend who she's doing fine now, but, um, she actually lost a lung because, they couldn't get the fluid off of it and it just kept progressing and Drowned. progressing and she, yeah, it's gone now. So now she has half a heart and one lung and one pulmonary vein. That's crazy. Yeah, but she's doing okay. So anyway, um, he's had a couple other other interve- interventions, you know, cath procedures, um, an unrelated surgery 
but uh in general <laughs> he's doing really well he's not on any medications right now which is we never thought even our cardiologist said prepare for a life of meds and mm-hmm. um and for that first really um what about a year and a half we were his whole schedule our our whole lives revolved around his med schedule yeah. he had very serious um strict eating schedule because he um really had a hard time with weight that was actually probably more of a concern for me than his heart honestly because yeah you had to pass ng tubes on him several a times lot. a lot um Which, that's a nasogastric tube it goes through the through nose, your nose into your to stomach the esophagus and um that's a really hard thing to do to your own kid because it's not comfortable. Um, and and you can do it wrong and you can cause, you can cause a lot. A lot they of problems. taught us how to do it. You have to like listen, you know, with the stethoscope and on his stomach to make sure you got it in the right spot. And um, anyway, it, it was just really hard. They pushed for us to get a G button. So that's a, a permanent uh, gastrointestinal feeding tube essentially that you can connect to that he would be tube fed through a bag but I really just felt strongly about not doing that because um kids often rely on that like once they get the tube so um so one of the biggest things with congenital heart disease is that so many secondary issues come after or with the heart problems such as eating issues um, other organ failure, you know, because if your heart goes, man, mm-hmm. that affects everything. So we have a, um, another family friend who they, this poor boy, he's almost four. He's not even four yet. He's already had a heart transplant, a liver transplant and has had cancer is, cu- is currently fighting cancer and is in liver rejection right now. So it's just, it's really hard. And so when I say we're lucky, I really mean it like but even then, you said that they are estimating that Levi will need like a full heart transplant. So it really depends on how he does with um, with his valve replacements. Right now, he doesn't have a pulmonary valve at all. And his aortic valve is um, quickly deteriorating because it's out. working so hard. So it's... And actually, when we had his last um, cardiologist cardiologist appointment, um, she was hopeful that that the way that medicine is going, we're gonna we're gonna see some different things in our in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, I think it's not really common for people who have TOF or tetralogy of flow to have a heart transplant. In fact, it's one of the more um, it's not mild by any means, but. Um, People always say if you're going to have a, a critic or people, people in the heart world <laughs> say that if you're going to have a, a critical congenital heart disease, tetralogy of flow is the one to have because we know as most There's about it. Now, it is a spectrum, so it can be as as easy as, which this is not easy, but as easy as one surgery correction and you're done for the rest of your life. And by no means is that a fix, but it is something that um, can be monitored and mm-hmm. and kept you know for the rest of I mean Sean White is is like that as a good example of that um but then there's Levi who's on the other spectrum of that who at, with a secondary problem which is pulmonary atresia so he'll have to have at least one 
He will absolutely need heart surgery. Absolutely. He will need for his valves for his valves. And then um, it is possible that they can do replacement valves through ca- the cath lab now. Um, but it kind of depends on just how he how he does. These valves at this point, you know, are we're still not at the at the place in medicine where they're lasting, you know, more than 10. Do they use like pig valves? They use you can pig bovine um, donor and mm-hmm. mechanical valves. And they are working right now on uh, growing them with stem cells, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, that, and she says that we'll see that in in his lifetime. We will see people receiving those. So the best case, of course, is a donor. Um, however, we don't see that as often because usually when you have a, a tiny little heart like that to donate, you need the whole thing. So... We probably won't have a donor valve. We'll probably have um, pig or cow. Mm-hmm. I think she said that she's been doing pig lately. I don't know why. I trust her to do whatever she needs to do because like I don't. It, seems like cow would be real big in his little body. But well, it's just the valve, you know. But, but know. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're waiting on right now. Really, truly looking at him, you would have no idea. No. He is very very rambunctious he's a lots of attitude um very spunky his coloring is great um he is a little skinny thing but i mean you wouldn't know and he doesn't stop moving he doesn't sometimes though you so we see it as his parents or like people who are close to him notice like he'll get tired and he'll just lay on the floor Mm -hmm. and he'll just lay like face down for 30 seconds to a couple minutes to just like, like you can tell that he's just having a hard time. And then, but he knows how to self-regulate, which is amazing. Like at two years old, he already knows like, okay, I need to take a minute. And then he'll pop right back up when he's done and he's good and to go. scream again. Yes, he will. <laughs> but um, anyway, so as you can imagine, whenever we got pregnant with Maddie, we were you know, concerned that we would have, you know, a similar issue, but she, by the grace of God, was perfectly healthy. And, um, well, and that's the thing they said, it's not really a genetic. Ours is not genetic. No, though. Um, they said though, we're three times as likely to have a sibling. Like if your sibling, mother or father has a CHD, you're like three times more likely to have it. Um, which I just read that statistic um, recently, but our cardiologist actually said it was only like a 2% increased chance. I was going to say they didn't. So I don't know. wanted to get pregnant, they didn't really say. No. And I mean, and she's fine. She's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Levi, she told us that Levi's kids will have like a 10% chance, which is still not a very high. Right. Um. What were the chances that you and Corey being like normal, healthy hearted people would have a kid with CHD uh-huh. or with his specific? Disease? I don't know with his specific disease, but with the CHD, it's one in 110. Okay. You said that. So, so um, way more common than you would think. Yeah. Because it, I mean, I think about but it even like this. Still, that's such a small percentage. I mean, it is a small percentage, less than 1%, right? But, um, 
I mean, I think it's pretty amazing that there are ever babies that are born with totally healthy hearts. Because if you think about how intricate your heart is, to it's amazing to me that anybody is ever born with it perfectly healthy. Because there's so much that can go wrong. Um, and a lot of people do, you know, have like little VSDs or whatever, but they generally close on their own and just have to be a little bit monitored. But um, with, you know, we just, we say that we got lucky with Levi because I don't think he would be the kid that he is today without that. And I'm excited to see how he, you know, grows from it and, and advocates for it because I think that we're going to have somebody pretty special on our hands to do those things. But y'all, it's important. Um, less than one penny from every dollar from the American Heart Association goes to congenital heart disease research. And that's just not, it's not good enough. Um, wow. When it, when it's affecting so many people, um, it's just, we got to do better. We are just now and it right now seeing um, there are more adults living with congenital heart disease and they're all, than there are children. Um, and, that's just in this decade. Um, so before then, they were all dying. Right. Before they they reached adult, adulthood. And that is scary to think. So um, I always kind of say like, you know. <laughs> what are you doing, what is Benedict? He's <laughs> just, he missed me when I was gone. Um, me. You know, they we kind of have a saying in the in the heart world that, I didn't advocating for CHD wasn't important to me until I became a parent of somebody who had it. And so that can happen to you at any time. And chances are you, you know, somebody who is directly affected by it. So, um, anyway, that's my little spiel. Sorry. This was a, um, that was not a little, that was a long, (laughs) it was a long episode, but it was important. And I know it's not our normal funny, whatever but now maybe you know a little bit more about me if you didn't know before yeah so we're those crazy people that are gonna be wearing red all the time and yeah uh anyway so if you're or someone you know has been affected by chd we'd love to hear about it send me those heart baby pictures they so cute send me stories because it's it's very different being a person on the outside. Yeah. I've I think. always wondered, is it like, cause I, I like to be honest, some of the stuff that you just said, you've never told me before. Honest- and that's partially, I think just you. Yeah. As I, a I, human. Like I didn't know they resuscitated Levi when he was born. Yeah. It tends- and, but it's also, it's hard because I don't know if I didn't know that because you didn't tell me or if I didn't know that because I didn't hear it. It could be both. I tend to keep things, like a lot of people don't know how much he struggled in recovery from his second surgery because I tend to be somebody who likes to share the positive and put, yeah. kind of puts this positive spin on things. And I don't like being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really talk about those, those parts, but um, it, it was a very dark time in all yeah. of our lives. I mean, we were, I remember it being really hard and I hate because I always feel like a little, guilt that's entirely self I put it on myself entirely because the time that all that was happening was when 
I was working two jobs and I was going to school. So yeah. I was working seven days a week. And like, I remember for Levi's second surgery, I took off work. Yep. Specifically for the surgery. Like I asked off so that I could be there. And then at the last minute, they had to change the surgery. Yep. To the next. And my coworker stay. wouldn't switch shifts with me. Yeah. Because it wasn't my kid. Like, it wasn't my kid. It wasn't like. Yeah. If why it helps at all, I don't remember that's what i do but it <laughs> and it just was like i would go to the the hospital as much as i could but i just felt like i still wasn't there but you were that often and i was like 10 minutes away so it was like it's just really weird and i remember it was so hard because to me like i cried when i saw levi he was yeah. like this tiny precious little thing but at the same time my focus was you. Yeah. And I I remember because I was up. You and I got the least sleep out of everyone. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Because I was up every hour when those nurses came in to check mm-hmm. on you. Corey, I don't even think, was awake when they said that, you know, we're going yep. into surgery. I had to wake him up and tell him. And I called your grandma. And, like, I called your mom. And... It was so weird, and I remember, like, not really fully feeling the impact of what was happening. Like, it took me a long time. I don't time. think I did either. <laughs> I was, because they were like, oh, so that's an emergency C-section. And I was like, oh, no, it's not an emergency. I think we're just, we're just doing it now to make sure that we don't get to the point where it is an emergency. Which is, I think, how they kind of portrayed it to us. Like, they, they were did. trying to keep me calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think I realized it until. No, I knew that you were scared. I mean, I was scared just and because, I knew, like, yeah, <laughs> Corey. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> remember the outfit they gave him to wear the scrubs. was ridiculous. Yeah. And I just remember your whole family being there. And like, I was the only one that knew anything. And I didn't really know that much other than like the small amount I had been told. And it was just so weird. And you just see this tiny little he wasn't blue. He was, if you look at him. his pictures, if you go back and look, he he's was, like purple. He's purple. Yeah. He was like kind of purple when we saw him and he went by and I just remember thinking he was so tiny and I like cried a little bit. And then I went to where you were. Yeah. I knew Corey was going with him. I think I, because it was it's, like what, seven in the morning? Well, it was three in the morning when he was born. And then I went back to the recovery room and I remember seeing you. I was and there. I just lost it because I hadn't yet. Yeah. Because I, nobody wants to go back without their baby. Right. Like you don't understand the weight of that until you yeah. don't have your baby. And I remember thinking, man, this is after the fact. They put me on the antepartum floor, which is not the postpartum floor where everybody has their babies. They put me on a different floor so that I wouldn't have to be hear babies crying yeah and, all that and i didn't think about it at the time but now looking back like that man kind. that was a really kind thing yeah. to do i just remember it was really hot in that room yep i almost died you and i had not slept it was early in the morning we maybe got an hour mm-hmm. of sleep but it was so hot your mom came in they took you out mm-hmm. but we couldn't go yeah it was just me and I remember your mother came in and made me wake up, which I was so annoyed. I could have just popped her head right off her body because I was so tired. And I remember when you finally could get up and you were in a wheelchair and we could take you down back mm-hmm. to see Levi. 
and you were there and I think I took you down or they were taking you or Corey came and got you. I don't know. And I was like, I'm going to go home and take a shower and change my clothes and I'll be back because I hadn't eaten or showered yep. or anything in the full like 36 hours yep. or whatever. So I went home, did what I needed to do, came back and I think I brought you guys some stuff. Probably. I think you brought me a blanket maybe yeah and i like brought Corey a toothbrush which he already had like i just like was yeah. like what can i what do they need to do yeah and so i came back and i went down to see you guys and levi because and i remember it was very dramatic because there's like a li- there's lists oh that was what i was going to say before so like even though you weren't able to be there very often it didn't really matter because they were so strict about who yeah. could come in and when and how and yes you so had like, to be on the list i was on the short list yeah so i could come in anytime except during shift change i believe um i think we had to be there court one of us had maybe that was cicu there was two different i don't protocols. know i just remember there's a short list and a and a, and a long list yes. that you could change there was like two interchangeable people that could that you could put on there for the day yeah. And then there was four but people was that was the, all the time, all the time list. And so I tried to come as often as I could. But I remember going down there and they give you like your little wristband uh-huh. and they make sure you don't have a fever. And they let you go in. And I remember I walked in and I like saw Levi and all that stuff. And then I looked at you and you looked like you were close to death because you were less than 24 hours post C-section. <laughs> well, and I your kept refusing. Your ankles were the size of your thighs. I remember and you were about to pass out mm-hmm. and I just remember looking at you and saying you are leaving now <laughs> and you didn't want to but you were so weak I couldn't do anything I hadn't eaten you hadn't eaten you hadn't done anything so I remember making you go up to your room and looking at your husband and I was like you are responsible for her <laughs> she will sit down here until she dies it's you true. cannot allow that. She is your responsibility. You have to make her take care of herself. Yeah, and he I just didn't have like, any meds. Yeah, he's just like looking at me with big eyes. And I just remember pushing you back into that room. And there was like a nurse that was like, hey, welcome back. And I was like, we need some pain medication over here. And I <laughs> shoved you in the room. And she was like, ah, I don't think they liked me very much. But... <laughs> And we got you and she was like, what do you want? And she was like listing all this stuff. And I'm like, she hasn't had pain meds in like six hours. She needs something. She needs to lay down. And like you weren't doing great either. No, I but did you, hemorrhage. Yes. Like Charlotte is hard because Charlotte doesn't care about Charlotte. You will understand when you. It's a hard thing. Okay, but you can say that, but it's also just in general. It is. Like, yes, I'm, one I don't. Time, one time, Charlotte rear-ended some people, and I had to call her husband and have a very serious talk oh, with him. Oh, I didn't rear-end them. That was when we got into that pile-up, and I was in, squished in between two cars. So I guess I did rear-end somebody, but I so, was actually that was a bad car accident. Actually. It was a bad car accident, and I remember Charlotte calling me and saying... Well, I feel good because um, I have like some bruising on my abdomen. So I feel like I'm not making it up. And I was like, your abdomen shouldn't be bruising. It was bad. So I had to call her husband. Actually, he was at work. So I had to call her other friend and talk her through 
how to do a hospital visit with Charlotte <laughs> because she lies to doctors, pretends she's okay when she's not, and just wants to go home. And this is before I ever had Levi. Yeah, this, that's what I'm saying. This has nothing to do with him. <laughs> you're already a crazy person, but you add on your child and you're like clinical. It's and you true. you won't take care of yourself. It's true. So someone has to. So poor Corey mm. had a lot of responsibility. But I just remember like just it was just crazy being at the hospital. And I wasn't at the hospital nearly as much as you guys were. But it's so we lived weird. It's and I'll tell you this too. We went back for the heart. Every year they have like a party for like during heart month. With all the people and um, this is no offense to anybody, but I used to think that PTSD was kind of like a made up thing. Mm-hmm. And that's because I had never experienced it. Right. I had no idea. Well, even now, almost three years later, driving into that parking garage gives me anxiety and while I'm a pretty, like, relatively stable person, um, I, like, get, I still get, like, flashbacks and I get really anxious and, like, well, and a little it's sweaty. Like, and the smells. Everything. It, like, the, the the elevator sound. There's, um, they, all of the nurses, well, really all of the hospital staff, but the nurses have, like, a little, um, like, device that's essentially like a walkie-talkie, mm-hmm. Right that they all have and we were this was let's see the first one that we went to like two years ago so it was still relatively fresh it was like a several months after so whatever October to February however long that is anyway we went and one as I was walking to the room where the party was which is in the hospital somebody walked by me with that thing with the mm-hmm. walkie t- and it went off in the same like it had the tone and I literally like started crying because and I'm not I'm not like that I don't do that I'm not a scene person like but it literally made me st- like start crying because something. it just it brought back so many really hard memories just the sound of that they I don't even remember what it's called now but yeah, I don't um, know. The I can hear it in my head, like right now. Tiny walkie-talkie. I just remember being like, I just didn't know what to do. I like mean, it was such a weird, like you just, you just don't know what to, because you can't do anything. You can't, you can't do anything. And there's like, there's a picture of me holding Levi when because he's like, bitty, bitty. You came the night before his first surgery. Yeah. So that you you made sure that you saw him. And I just remember being so amazed because there's this just like teeny tiny person with all of this equipment just coming off of him. Yeah, you can hardly even hold him. It's like it's like an Olympic. But Charlotte knew what every single thing was, what every single thing was doing, what it was providing for him, like how to read the machines. Like when the nurse is, she's like, oh, the nurse is going to come in in a couple minutes and do X, Y, Z. And like she just knew all of it. And she was like, do you want to hold him? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, which is a really big deal because we only let Gina, which is Mm -hmm. his Corey's mom and Shannon. That was it. 
Yeah. Those were the only two people who got to hold him. Other than you and Other Corey. than Corey and I before he came home. And that I was, was it. like freaking out. I was like, sure. And I just like sat down really still. <laughs> like I didn't know because he just was there so There were so little. many wires. There and- was so much coming off of him. And I was so afraid. Yeah, he had a because lot going on. Because he still had like his umbilical stuff. And I knew he that that was like central line fragile. Like... Yeah, because they had to make a, a special exception because so usually you're not allowed to hold them if they have a central line going in their belly button because if you rip it out, that's it. it yeah, it's done. Yep. Um, but they they do they allow people to do it for heart surgery patients, which I didn't know at the time. But now I do because it's a, such a high mortality rate. That they it could be the last time you hold them, and so they they become very lax on the day Mm -hmm. before and of surgery. Like usually, you can only they're very strict. Like you can have two people in the room while you have like mom and dad and two people. That's it. Nobody else can come in. But the morning of his surgery, like my parents were there, Corey's parents were there. They were very my siblings, his siblings, and they let us all be in there. Because there was a high probability that, and of course they don't tell you any of this because they're very much trained in the art of service as well. Yeah. Those were some of like the nicest, best Gosh, They were the most incredible people. And I actually, I think we kind of touched on this. Like one of my patients, Mm -hmm. moms was one of Levi's Nurses. nurses. And remembered him. Yep. Levi was also memorable because he's, Levi. Yes. And Dramatic. also, I think it has to do a lot with you and Corey because you were so nice and you bought them gifts and you were like involved, but you weren't overbearing. And I trusted that they were the professionals who knew right. what to do because I certainly did not. And as someone who works, I mean, obviously my field is not nearly cardiac ICU, but still a cardiac neonatal ICU. Like it's not the same, but to have someone who has a knowledge of what's going on but also respects your opinion and listens to what you have to say is very rare because a lot of times dr google thinks (laughs) they think they know everything and question everything that you're saying yeah i learned to not google very early on because it's horrifying well yeah because it's not going to help anything but i do remember our favorite night nurse saying and that it's hard because you can't really have relationships with them you can't be friends with them on facebook or anything after you leave um because of hipaa i guess um her name is stephanie so stephanie if you ever hear this we really appreciate you anyway i remember asking her one time how do you deal with these hysterical moms and parents and because so many times you could hear though we had our own rooms it was still very close by like you could hear everything that was going on and you could hear parents yelling at the nurses and we would eat um we couldn't eat in there but we there was like a family room where you could all eat in there and I remember hearing or talking to moms a lot about them you know whatever their situation was and complaining and venting you know Mm because it's a hard situation and I remember Stephanie saying to us we see these people in the worst times of their life mm-hmm. and you have to remember that it's not personal and some people when 
they're in the worst time of their life, this is, this is the only way they can cope is by, um, micromanaging everything by taking it out on us. And we just have to remember that, you know, we're not in that position. And Mm -hmm. so some people, that's the way that they deal with it. And it's hard not to take it personally sometimes, but that's, it's our job is to, is just as much as it is our job to take care of their baby. Mm -hmm. It is our job to take care of those parents because it is the worst time of their life. And so I always thought that was really cool. Like they are in the business of service as much Mm -hmm. as you don't realize it. They are in that business and I will never forget like, man, those medical professionals, amazing people, but they were the ones who were in the trenches with us, like cried with us and celebrated with us. And the nurses. Yes. I mean, they, they knew more about Levi than those doctors. The doctors were amazing, but they had, you know, hundreds of patients whereas my our nurse we were there for so long that we ended mm-hmm. up having the same nurses like we had our preferred morning and night shift nurses um they knew him they knew what his regular was they knew what was you know they knew everything about Levi and and they knew us too so you know they they we still see them whenever we go back and they still ask about him and they love seeing him and Levi knows who they are and yeah you know it's, well, I think that's something that people take for granted just in general in any medical field is, yes, oops, sorry, the doctor is a doctor, but your nurses and, I mean, not to keep bringing myself, but your veterinary no, technicians, yes. those are the people who are there with the patient. Those are the people who know what's going on. If those people aren't paying attention and communicating to the doctor your patient doesn't get better well those are your advocates those the doctor is listening to that nurse and i remember like when you i don't know how much of it you heard but like when you before your c-section the nurse was worried about levi he seemed like he wasn't fully in distress but he wasn't doing well and he didn't seem to be coming up out of it like he had been yeah i don't remember any of that so she was worried and she was i think she was a newer newer nurse i don't think she was Mm -hmm. a new nurse she definitely knew but then the charge nurse i think was in there with her and she was i remember a little bit of this uh uh-huh and she was looking and she said okay you need to call dr so-and-so and and tell him that you need him to xyz Mm -hmm. it wasn't a call the doctor and see what his he thinks it was call the doctor tell him this is going on and this is what we're doing and, and he needs need to, to be here. here yeah so so really I, it's the nurses who run the show i really <laughs> i really think that a lot of people take that for granted and obviously in the human medical profession it's much more prominent but in the veterinary medical profession yeah. it happens as well i can imagine there's been like several times when i was like this you need to do this this and this because i'm seeing this yep and they do it and then they call the doctor and like, oh thank you for dr so-and-so and i'm like hello i'm just here <laughs> yeah we we really did try to um, you guys did a great job you brought stuff to your nurses you appreciated I mean, specifically them, to them and you were kind to them and i think that goes so far because i think a lot of times because the nurses are the people that you see and that you face to face with with the doctor just breezes in and it was like 
we're going to do this crazy thing and then leaves or, Hey, everything went well and then leaves. But I think the nurses get the brunt. Absolutely. Of the emotion because they're there. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that they are literally the ones that would cry with me. Like, yeah. When, when Levi wasn't doing well after the surgery, they were the ones who, you know, they, it wasn't the doctor, though the doctors I'm sure were, they were wonderful and they did a lot to save my son, but the nurses were the ones who were, when I say in the trenches, that's what I mean. Like they get invested in them. And he, whenever we moved to another floor, when he was all better, they were the ones who came down to see him yeah. when they were off of their 12 hour shift that went to 16 hours because one of their patients wasn't doing well and they were not going to leave until they knew they were stable. And then they would come down to see Levi because they had heard that he was going to get out the next day and they didn't want to miss him. Like I will, I cannot say enough for, I never had a bad experience with a nurse ever. And even if I did, I just, yeah, because they're humans too. That's of course. Like, and then the hard thing is they're human beings. Like you may be having a bad day, but they also have bad days. Of course they do. And so it's like so and hard. Then I can't imagine like the weight of their mis- If they make a mistake, like I make a mistake at work all the time. If they make a mistake, it could cost a life. And that's where I think um, compassion fatigue, which I know I'm mm-hmm. super familiar with, but I don't know that the general public is familiar with. It comes in and like these, I don't know, obviously, what the nursing like suicide rate is. I'm sure it's not low. But I know like the veterinary field has one of the highest suicide rates, which surprises people. But dentists too? Did I hear that? I don't know anything about dentists. But I mean, I can imagine that nurses, all they're doing every day is trying to do their best. And your best sometimes isn't good enough you do everything by the book you do everything that you're supposed to do a surgery goes perfectly and it still doesn't work because there's so many variables and so it's so hard every day I can't even imagine being working with little little babies like that and And going in every day and that's that's everything that you have you're giving those kids Mm -hmm. and their parents and it's very emotional but you also have to be very professional i remember wears on you i remember asking nurse stephanie because i knew that 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 night that she was with us one of her other patients expired and that's what they said instead of dying Mm -hmm. they expired and i remember just seeing her and saying to her like Stephanie are you okay like how are you doing and she and she had to just keep a brave face because she still had another patient that she had to take care of that patient has no effect on the other things that she has and luckily Levi was stable at that that particular night and I said really it's okay like please do what you need to do and uh, I remember the look that she gave me because I don't think that people are aware that anything no. is going on outside of their kid. And of course not. Right. I mean, this is your whole world right here. And, you know, that's all that you can focus on. But some for some reason, I, I had paid attention and I knew what was going on. And so from I think the look that she gave me that night 
when I told her like, hey, I'm okay in here. I got this. Like I can feed him. I can do the and and they were very much at Cook Children's. They're very much about like having the parents involved and, mm-hmm. and things. So it wasn't that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't breaking any rules by allowing me to do it. But they usually are in there to assist and whatever. And I, me just saying like, hey, I got it. Like, I know you've had a rough night. Like, please. And I remember her looking at me just like so grateful. And as she was walking out, she started to break down and Later, she came back in and apologized to me because apparently they're like absolutely not supposed to do that. And she felt so bad. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you you just lost a patient. Like, and that patient had been there for five and a half months. Well, and also, I feel like at that point, like, no, they didn't birth the child. That's the baby. <laughs> they have spent just as much time and yeah. know that kid just as much as any parent. Or maybe even more sometimes mm-hmm. because a lot of those parents had other children at home and had to go home. And and that's the other thing. Like you have to trust those people so wholeheartedly to take care of your child because I was very lucky in that I didn't have anything else going on anywhere else that wasn't that wasn't any more important than Levi. Like I didn't have other kids or anything. So Mm -hmm. my entire focus could be on him. A lot of these parents have two or three children at home and they still need their mom or their dad. I also wonder sometimes if that was to your detriment. Um, totally you personally. Yes, absolutely. But, but in the, in that moment, like I didn't have to, take any of my focus away. Whereas these other parents are having to rely solely on these nurses to take Mm -hmm. care of and love on their baby. And so they do become so attached because they are the support system for this child. Anyway, that was a long tangent that really didn't have anything to do with, but it did. It was important. Healthcare professionals are important. Yeah. If you are, if you're a healthcare professional and whether for an animal or a baby, I mean, mostly for babies i can't i don't feel like it's justified for me to compare what i do to what they do i think it's a big deal though because people love their pets it's not the same i mean i care but it's not the same but um, i couldn't i couldn't be a human nurse oh i don't think i could either though for a little while i remember when i pretended like i was going to go yeah, back to school and do it she decided she was going to be a nurse because she loved her nurses so much and she thought that she could you are not emotionally capable of doing absolutely that. not no i could not do it i have a hard time getting i just get attached to the families that i meet through volunteering um <laughs> i can't so anyway happy heart month this is a deep one spread awareness um P.S. Levi is doing just fine. I don't know if I've really we'll iterated, post, we'll reiterated post a that. a picture of him being like really cute and adorable. Yeah, but we'll keep you updated on his journey. We're, we're expecting probably surgery number three or open heart surgery number three within a year or so. So we'll keep you updated. But um, man, those kids are strong and it's amazing how resilient they are. They have to be. They have to be because the ones that aren't you know they don't make it and don't yeah and that's an unfortunate reality of our community but anyway um spread some awareness tell us your stories um sorry this was a deep one but next week we'll do something funny 
Will we? Probably. I don't have anything else deep to talk about. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. You do. <laughs> but uh, just remember to keep your standards low. Your wine glass is full. See ya. Adios.